grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There is no doubt that COVID-19 and the worldwide response to it caused much disruption to our lives. We had a strong economy, low unemployment rate, flush supply lines, and much optimism that the good times will never come to an end. And then the coronavirus hit. There were lockdowns, there were supply shortages, and there were also some major job losses. Many have found their work permanently changed, and even after adjusting to living with this virus, we are still facing much disruption. Labor shortages, supply chain problems, and inflation have continued to create much uncertainty and turmoil. When dealing with all of these, it causes us to react. And one way that we ought to react is to turn to the Lord in prayer, making our petitions to our gracious God that he will continue to take care of not only our bodies, but also our souls. These uncertainties ought to draw us to God's house because we know that God does not and he cannot change despite the many changes that are going on around us. We ought to be drawn to rely solely on the Lord who never ceases to, to love us and whose mercies never come to an end. While I'm sure many Christians have spent time in prayer as they have been troubled by these things, many, have, many Christians have also taken action. They have done so in various ways, perhaps by shifting their investments. Some may, seeing the current job market, have sought better jobs. Some have recognized the value of vegetable gardening, seeking to become less dependent on supply chains and desiring to eat healthier foods. And some have found this to be the right time to begin stocking up on food and supplies, seeking to become what is often called a survivalist or a prepper, so that they can be ready to survive whatever shortages they perceive may happen. Whatever actions Christians choose to take, they must do so recognizing that the Lord's hand is in all things. If we are nervous about the future, we, even though we might be working to make sure that our lives are supplied for, we at the same time recall the words of Jesus who tenderly teaches us, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And God's servant Job was right when, when, after losing pretty much all of his possessions and even all of his children, declared, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We can lose everything despite our efforts to keep what we have. And we must not lose our souls as we seek to obtain the world's goods. Remember the words of Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And we ought, with much boldness, not only because we are Christian and God gave us a voice, sing with Luther, but we ought to sing with boldness these words and mean them. Goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone, our victory has been won, the kingdom ours remaineth. In our gospel today, Jesus illustrates two men who have very different lives and end up in very different places. Jesus also teaches us that at the time in which a person dies, that decision is complete, no reversing it, no one can pass from heaven to hell, no one can pass from hell to heaven. In this life, the rich man appeared to be blessed by God because the rich man had everything that he wanted. He had luxurious clothing, he was able to eat whatever fancy foods he wanted, he enjoyed that life of luxury. But he did not love the Lord, nor did he heed the word of God. And the rich man felt no need to help the poor, for he really didn't even bother to notice Lazarus, allowing Lazarus perhaps to have some of the crumbs which fell from his table for Lazarus to lap up. Even though many would assume that the rich man, on the basis of his many bl earthly blessings, had enjoyed God's favor, it turned out that this rich man did not. The rich man may have reflected on his life saying, oh, I am so blessed. But in reality, he was not blessed at all. For when he breathed his last, having not heard the words of eternal life and choosing earthly possessions over the word of God and the Lord's eternal promises, he then died and went to hell. He is spending an eternity there. Lazarus, on the other hand, would have been viewed by the world as someone who must have done something really bad and is now cursed by God. It'd be easy to assume that, gee, he sure had done something gravely wrong since he is enduring such a poor light lot in life because he can't walk, the dogs are licking his sores, and people are holding him to contempt. They are not having mercy on him. Now this rich man, or I mean this poor man Lazarus could have looked at all this circumstantial evidence and all the things that he was enduring and wallowed in his woes, despairing in God's promises, but that was not the way he would have it. Instead, as becomes apparent when he dies, Lazarus trusted in the Lord and received the goal of his faith, which is a salvation of his body and soul. And so when Lazarus died, his soul went to be with the Lord in heaven where he continues to enjoy the bliss of eternal life, a bliss that is beyond comparing. Jesus' teaching here makes us take a step back and reflect on many things. What is my standing before God? In what do I put my trust? Am I loving my neighbors? And how am I loving my neighbor? And am I truly prepared for the things to come and do I heed the scriptures, or as Jesus put it, Moses and the prophets? 
the rich man was probably prepared for whatever earthly disasters could come upon him. Lazarus was obviously not prepared for whatever earthly things could come upon him, for he was already suffering. Yet Lazarus was prepared for something, and that is to die in the Lord, whereas the rich man, who had done all the prepping he could possibly think of, had not thought of being prepared to die in the Lord. While Christians may certainly make efforts to be prepared for disasters and for scarcity, they must do so by placing their confidence in Christ and not in their attempts to be ready for the things that might come. And while it makes sense to have some things stocked up, this must not be done in lieu of our preparation for where we will spend an eternity. We must recognize that our time in this life is temporary. We must be wise with how we use our time, with how we spend our lives, and how we prepare ourselves for our eternal future. Preparations to be received into heaven must not be done only in those rare times when it is convenient or in times of adversity. Instead, preparations to be received into heaven must be worked continually. And it begins first with active church attendance where the Holy Spirit works trusting and saving faith in us through the word, through the absolution, that declaration of forgiveness, and through Holy Communion. If we want to go to hell, we only need to figure our lives are swell like the rich man did. But if we want to go to heaven, we must abide in the word of Christ. That way we will know the truth and the truth will, as Jesus declares to us, set us free. We'll be set free from our slavery to sin because Christ takes it away. He died for us. We'll be set free from our bondage to death for as Christ lives, we too will live when we abide in Christ. We will rise when Jesus returns and we are set free from Satan for when we, are set, when we abide in Christ and know his truth, we become children of God and members of his family. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I cannot stress to you enough how important it is for you to actively attend the divine service. It is not only good for you as an individual, as a child of God, but it is good for your family because of your example and it is good for all who gather in worship because you serve as examples for them and it improves the congregational singing, which improves that worship life. At our district convention this past week, the emphasis was on telling the next generation, which is the first verses of Psalm 78 speak of telling the next generation, the deeds that God has done for us. In one of the sermons at the district convention, a pastor said, the man who attempts Christianity without the church shoots himself in the foot, his children in the leg, and his grandchildren in the heart. His point is that those who claim to have Christianity without active church attendance will most likely have grandchildren that have no faith in Christ. I also cannot stress to you enough the importance of attending Bible class or Sunday school because Satan is constantly trying to rob us from the word. We have preachers in the world constantly teaching us things that are just simply not true and contradict the word of Christ. 
And therefore, we must be grounded in the word. We fight those attacks by being in the word. In fact, studies have shown, studies even in Lutheran churches, that the healthiest congregations are those where a majority of those who are present attending worship also are in Bible class. And I cannot stress to you enough the importance of engaging in prayer, reading the Bible, and engaging in devotions both individually at home and as a family at home. These patterns can be a challenge to develop. It often has to mean we have to set aside our pride for not engaging in the word enough. It often means adjusting a few habits, but when we do them, it is good. Both father and mother have a tremendous task when they raise their children. Even more important for them to be raised, it is even more important for them to be raised in the Lord. This is another set of statistics. This is a set of statistics that was, was reported in that same sermon at the district convention. And that is when moms bring their children to church alone, their children are 15% likely to be active in church when they grow up, just 15%. When fathers bring their children to church alone, those children are now 53% likely to be active in church as adults, showing the tremendous role that fathers play in the lives of their children. And when both parents bring their children to church, those children are 72% likely to be active in the church when those children reach adulthood. Fathers, it is your God-given responsibility to ensure that your children are raised Christian. I know you already do your best to simply raise them to have food and clothing and shelter and probably a good level of entertainment. But now recognize also your God-given task to lead your children to Christ by giving them many opportunities to hear God's word each week. Our catechism says, in a simple way, the head of the household shall teach his children. The world is fighting to claim our children. The world wants to suck them into a dark and sordid world. Satan would love to see our children turn from Christ and get addicted to violence, mind-altering substances, pornography, and other types of hedonism and mindlessness. We must, though, as children of God, fight the good fight of faith, letting go of the world's vanities and trusting solely in Christ who shed his blood for us and opened the gates of heaven to us. There's no question that we have all failed to rightly hear the word of Christ and put him first in our lives. Our standing before God, however, is not based on what we have done in our past or what we have failed to do. Nor, as Jesus illustrates in today's gospel, our standing before God is not based on our wealth or health or lack thereof. Instead, our standing before God is based on Christ redeeming us, God baptizing us into his family and the Holy Spirit continuing to teach us and feed us his saving and life-giving word, blessing us with the sacraments. God added us to his family. 
He is our heavenly Father, and we rejoice in being his children. God sustains us in that family through the word and sacrament, and that is why it is important for us to abide in the word of Christ. So, are we prepared for things to come? Yes, when our confidence is in Christ alone and when we are abiding in the word of Christ. Our faith is then made manifest in love toward our neighbors through acts of mercy, even toward our children. And our trust is not in ourselves or in our attempts to prepare, but it is in Christ alone who loves us and took away our sins on the cross, laying down his life for us, shedding his innocent blood and rising from the grave for our justification. Let's all be found as true preppers, that is, ones truly prepared to meet the Lord when we breathe our last or when Jesus comes again in glory. So let's be found with well-used Bibles, a packed house of God, a busy Sunday school and Wednesdays with the word, and joyful, loud singers of God's praises. For in Christ, we have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Thank you.